0: Northwestern medicine relentless in their pursuit of better health care learn more at nm slash better this is Dean Richards Sunday morning and once again we say hello to dr. Kevin most Chief medical officer Western Central duPage right. Hospital and uh, a welcome back to you also uh, doctor after uh, being out last week with uh, Shawane was out last week Andy was out last week. You were out last week. I was I was the, the lone man standing around here last week. I hope yours was just a, a little vacation or something.
1: Well, someone has to work, Dean. If the, if the rest of us are gone, yep. someone's got to be there to push the button. Yeah, so. someone had to yeah, be I'll... here.
0: I was here at my appointed post. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we, got, we got by. Uh, I, I hope you're doing well. You heard that uh, Andy uh, was out with COVID last week.
1: Was he really? I yeah. didn't
0: hear that. Andy, are you there? Are you yes. still there? Yep. Uh, yeah. The, uh, explain uh, explain your deal for Dr. Most.
1: Yeah,
2: doctor, it was uh, it was strange because uh, last Saturday, I felt like I was getting a sinus infection, which I get uh, quite often with my allergies and bad sinuses, but this one felt a little different. So I uh, decided to test uh, here at home, and uh, it, uh, it came back positive, positive. and all day Sunday, I was I was asleep pretty much the entire day. And uh, it just was one of like the worst head cold uh, uh, sinus infection I think I've ever had.
1: Andy, did you end up taking medication for it? Did you get on Paxlovid or did you puff it out?
2: No, I got on Paxlovid. Uh, my doctor was okay. pretty, quick, uh, pretty quick to that. And the only thing that I could, the only thing I could say about Pax, I can say two things about Paxlovid. It was great because it did knock it out, but it leaves such a bad taste in your mouth.
1: swallowing <laughs> nickels. Yeah, it's that yeah. Uh, metallic mm. taste that really that uh, some people stop taking it because of the side effects of the taste. But uh, certainly, it's a very good drug and has really helped us quite a bit. So glad you're uh, back to healing. And uh, aren't you supposed to be at spring training?
2: Uh, you know that's that's uh, that's another thing we have to talk about uh, with with others about the powers that be. We need to talk to them about that.
0: <laughs> well, now does he need to stay in isolation, uh, doctor, for a while?
1: You mean like until spring training's over or, or <laughs> until, just like, <laughs> or in until, Arizona
0: until after the world series? <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 no, since he's been fully treated and it's, it's it like it's been at least a week. Uh, you know, you he's good to go. So
0: <laughs> and Andy, what was your vaccination status? You were completely up to date. Oh yeah. If completely I up to date. Yep. Yeah. Because people, some people on the text line, this is amazing to me that every time we still bring up COVID for some reason, there's a handful of people. Uh, I don't know if it's the same people or not. That are they're still anti-vax, anti everything uh, regarding it. Uh, somebody this morning <laughs> going. Uh, I thought the shots worked. You, you didn't have COVID. Uh, you know, and how many times do we have to say the sh- the shots don't eliminate COVID? It eliminates you having to go into the hospital. Because of COVID, or or dying because of COVID, like we had in the beginning of the whole thing, how many times do we have to repeat that? Jeez,
1: you know, Dean, it's interesting because they they do. They think that this vaccine is more like measles, and boy, when I got my measles vaccine, I'm not going to get the measles. Well, certainly that's true, but it is. It's much more like the influenza vaccine, right? It shortens the duration of illness, and the Paxlovid is just like Tamiflu. It's going to shorten that duration, so. These viruses change all the time, and certainly we've, we are really on a decent downtrend. Yesterday, or excuse me, last week in the hospital, we had 40 viral patients in the hospital at any uh, given time last week. And about 27, 28 of them were still COVID patients that were still hospitalized, the vast majority of them being totally unvaccinated.
0: Mm, very interesting. Uh, interesting uh, news came out this week. Uh, regarding covid and uh, whether or not it started in a lab in china uh you know how how people were reacting to it back then how they were reacting to the news that it was you know could have been unleashed by uh, the chinese government how it could have accidentally come out and all i could think of while i was hearing all this news during the week was Uh, We didn't know what we were dealing with in the beginning of this, right? I mean, how how do you feel about all this?
1: Yeah, I mean, we really did. not We had no clue. Um, You know, we we got the genetic sequencing of it done very, very quickly, which allowed us to start working on a vaccine very quickly. But we were. I mean, it felt, um, I don't want to say bad, but it really felt like, okay, we weren't sure what was going on. So our stories changed every week. Do we mask? Do we not mask? What do we do? And, you know, there was a lot of confusion, and we lost a lot of confidence in both the CDC and the FDA during that time, and hopefully that confidence has come back. But certainly, you know, where it came from um, is important, because if it was a virus that was trying to be weaponized, okay, well, they didn't want it to get out because they're getting impacted just as big. But, if this would have been one of those where it got out and all of a sudden the Chinese had vaccines already it made, then we'd have some concerns. But looking back, it's uh, good that we had the ability to sequence it quickly, work on it quickly. It just showed the resiliency of the, the pharmaceutical industry here in the United States to be able to work as quickly as it could to get a vaccine out.
0: Yeah, but so many people who were saying, you know, that there was such an overreaction uh, to this whole thing, are, are now saying, "Well, see, it was an over—you all overreacted to uh, all of this." You know, th- tell that to the families who lost loved ones uh, to COVID—that there was an overreaction to it. I mean, the medical uh, community, healthcare workers, people who were working tirelessly, were doing everything they could to keep people alive during the early stages of all of this. And I think erring on the side of caution was, to, in my opinion was the correct thing to do. Clearly, uh, you're telling me that people are still not vaccinated. They, clearly, a lot of people feel very differently than I do on it.
1: Well, and those that aren't vaccinated and are still getting to a point of needing hospitalization just shows us that this is still a virus we shouldn't mess around with. But people that say, oh, see, look, at this was no big deal, have to understand that without this vaccine, we would have had millions of more deaths. Yeah. Millions. And and the the vaccine protected so many people, especially the seniors, the immunocompromised, those with other risk factors. That they might want to make fun of it and say, "Hey, look, at this was nothing." But if this is one of those, let's turn back the clock and not have a vaccine it would have been much more devastating than it already was.
0: Yeah, or or let's not wear masks, or let's not be careful, let's not uh, isolate ourselves. Uh, the the results would have been much worse. So um it it's just, it's just interesting since this news came out about china this week how the 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 political po- politicalization of uh, the whole thing that we've been dealing with for the last three years you know flared up again and now there apparently there is some news that there could be a home uh test uh different than the one that we can do with a little swabbing at home now right
1: yeah, you know, when when the, all this happened in the, you remember the lines for COVID testing and the inability to get the test done because there were so few tests available. What I think that did is it just opened the eyes for all of us to say, why do we have people come in for influenza testing as well? If we can make this COVID test as simple to be able to be done at the home, why don't we for influenza? And the importance of it is just like Andy, you know, he kind of unpacks a little bit early. Well, if someone has influenza and then they try to get into their doctor's office or they go for their emergency room visit and sit in the emergency room for quite some time, all we're really doing is delaying the treatment of that. So just last week, you know, the FDA approved a home test that will test for both COVID and influenza. People got sick. They'd say, oh, i got to see if I have COVID. Oh, I don't have COVID. Well, then what do I have? Well, this will now allow us to identify earlier cases of influenza, treat them earlier, and slow the spread. So um, that's probably it's pretty cool. I think you know. And from an insurance point of view, um, I'm sure insurance companies hopefully will pick this up or will get the cost down to a point where it's reasonable. But this will save people the aggravation of having to go to the doctor's office for yeah. a simple test, as well as getting on the medication much quicker, which will make the impact of both illnesses
0: shorter. Yeah, it's. I, I, I don't want to say that there was an upside to COVID, but I guess. You know, if if there is, we we learned to do our own self testing at home during COVID. Uh, tele uh, telehealth, tele appointments, you know, with our physicians, with healthcare professionals became much more uh, common uh, then, and I think that's a positive thing too. I, I don't mind uh, when I've had to go to the doctor, you know, since. Uh, going through everything that we went through with the pandemic. I, I don't mind. I would sort of prefer doing it on the phone, uh, you know, and doing a, a Zoom visit uh, rather than going down to where all the sick people are in the doctor's yeah. office.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, telehealth really, is, like you said, the good things that came out of COVID, one is how fast can we make a good, solid vaccine? How can we do home testing? And like you said, the telehealth, which has just exploded with growth. Now, the interesting that as – the emergency authorization wears off, the administration right now is looking at, hey, we need to control some of these uh, telehealth visits. And they are going to cut back a little bit on individuals who are getting opioids uh, through telehealth and some other medications that they're saying, you know what, it was great when we really needed it, but we still have this epidemic of opioid use and other drug, uh, drug abuse. So we're going to hey, we'll say you can have your first telehealth, and they can give you 30 days. But after that, you need to have a face to face with the doctor. So it'll be very interesting to see how that impacts mental health as well as pain health, um, and, and how it works out.
0: Uh, let me uh, put the phone number out there for questions for Doctor Kevin Most regarding anything COVID related or not. If you have other health uh, questions concerns. is always is our telephone number and also the same number for text 312-981-7200 and here's one from 815 saying uh, with all this talk now about uh, covid and vaccines i'm wondering if i should get an updated covid vaccine my last one was in November. Now, I was actually wondering about this myself because I think a couple of weeks ago, Kev, you talked about how some of us might be getting emails saying uh, that we might be due for uh, vaccination. Something. I got one of those emails saying that uh, I I might need to check with my healthcare professionals to make sure I'm up to date. Uh, You know, since the worst part of this apparently is over, what, what do we do with vaccines now? Do we still go in for regular maintenance, or uh, what's the the advice?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because immunocompromised individuals, seniors, you know, your physician may say, hey, you know what, I want to give you a booster. Um, And we have to, the biggest thing we have to understand with COVID is it's not like influenza, right? Influenza, we have an influenza season. We expect that to begin in the fall, and we expect it to go through, you know, probably the end of this month. With COVID, that didn't happen at all, right? COVID just says, hey, you know what, wherever I'm going to change, I'm going to pop up. It can be in June. It can be in December. It can be any time. If you remember, late in the fall, or excuse me, late in the summer was when we had this last big surge. So certainly, COVID, we're going to have to look at differently. We talked about having vaccines together, influenza and COVID, put them in one shot. Well, if we do that, then we have to figure out the timing of when we're going to give that shot. Because, like I said, COVID doesn't have the seasonality that influenza does. But certainly the government um, has definitely kept great track of who's been vaccinated and who has not. And certainly will send you potentially a text reminder saying, hey, you may be due for a COVID vaccine. And please follow up with your physician to see. Now, some physicians didn't do the best, I will say, in uh, documenting and putting making sure that those were in the national Data bank of the doc you may get in and the doc says oh no no you're fine you know you've been boosted don't worry about it others will say hey you know with your um, health status it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to get a booster here so check with your doctor but certainly covid has not gone away and as andy can easily tell you it doesn't feel good when you have it so anything we do to protect ourselves is key
0: yeah three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the number jim you're on the air with dr kevin most hi
1: morning i think my question goes right along with what you just talked about was i was curious when andy had had his bivalent booster because if he got it when it originally came out back in september we're at the six month time frame here which is probably when we need another booster so uh, what, are, what are we thinking here can we do it or can we not i know cdc hasn't said that but is there any reason not to do it yeah jim you know and what you're saying is Got to remember how early we are in all of this, right? The bi- li- bivalent just came out in the fall, and we're still trying to figure out does that last longer. So people like Andy are actually great test models for us. Sorry, Andy, to be the you know the, the test monkey, but <laughs>
0: make um, you a guinea pig. Um, it, yeah.
1: yeah, but it is important because as we see, if we start to see another little bump here, that certainly getting a booster is going to be appropriate. There's going to be nothing wrong with getting a booster, so you can talk to your doctor, and certainly you know. see. Um, But we haven't proven yet that the booster is needed on top of the bivalent. But like you said, we're hitting this six-month time frame from when it was first uh, out. So we are going to start to look, are we starting to see more breakthrough cases where people were fully vaccinated and yet still got a case? So time will tell here and probably over the next couple of months.
0: Yeah, Jim, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. And let's go to Ginger next at 312- 981-7200. Ginger, you're on with Dr. Kevin Most.
1: Good morning, everybody. Hey, I have a real, maybe not quick, but I have a a two-fold question. Uh, Which kidney dialysis between the going in for three hours of the paired-to-meal, I think I said that right, type of dialysis is more preferred? and which one is easiest to travel with, if that makes sense. Uh, Both questions do make sense, Ginger, and and it's very interesting. So she's asking about dialysis. This is obviously um, a question about kidney failure. So kidneys really do a great job of filtering out stuff that we need to be filtered out, and when we have kidney failure, we need to go on dialysis so that a machine does that. Now, peritoneal dialysis is interesting. Peritoneal dialysis, the peritoneum is essentially where all your organs are and kind of an open space here in your stomach. And fluid is pushed in there and taken out. And that's how the dialysis, that's how it works. So it's interesting that it's not actually into the bloodstream, like regular dialysis where you're hooked up to a dialysis machine. And often peritoneal dialysis can be done overnight. So it can be done at other times and and certainly um, can be done in the home. Whereas kidney dialysis, you're actually going to a kidney dialysis um, site. You have a, a, what we call a shunt put in your arm so that they can access that and they circulate your blood through it and, and do the filtering for you. As far as travel, neither one of them is, is super easy. I guess it really depends on um, how good your, uh, how well connected your nephrologist is to say, okay, you want to go to Charleston and you're going to be down there during the time you need dialysis. Let me check if we have a DaVita dialysis down there or a Presenius dialysis. So they're two large companies to see if we can set something up down there or potentially be able to do your peritoneal dialysis by yourself. So two different ways for dialysis, um, but uh, certainly probably the one that's the most um labor intensive or really need more importantly is the one with the machine uh, where it's actually going through your blood and that would be at a dialysis center wherever you're going to travel to I had
0: no idea that that sort of thing was even portable I don't I, I don't know that much about dialysis but it always seemed like it was something that required you yeah. know some machinery to do the cleansing and not something you can carry around on a suitcase or or however yeah, that it, works. I mean, is it <laughs> is it that compact, really? No, it's not really
1: that. It's not that compact. But certainly, it really depends on how bad uh, your dial, how how much dialysis you're actually needed to do. So, um, and as you as your kidneys start to fail even more. Uh, then certainly the regular straight dialysis out of the bloodstream is going to be the most important, and you will have to go to a center for that.
0: Does that make sense to you? Thank
1: you for that last comment, because the peritoneal one, just doesn't make sense to me how that cleanses the blood as well as going to a facility, you know, since the blood is actually circulated. So think you've uh, helped a lot thank you right
0: thank you for your call and good good luck to you on that and ted you're on wgn hello
1: hey good morning gentlemen hey dr most i I have a, a simple question for you in fact i threw in number three if you would give me a ranking which one which are most or give me a ranking of harmfulness to the body cannabis alcohol and cigarettes Mm. Give me a give me a, a a ranking of harmfulness to the to us, if you would, please. Sure. So if I look at it, I would say alcohol is number one, cigarettes are number two, cannabis is number three. The reason being is that alcohol really can impact a lot of things, not only liver failure, but puts you at a much higher risk for many different cancers. Cigarettes certainly are going to impact your chance for lung cancer, which is a very difficult one to treat unless you have the screening done. And then obviously cannabis is probably out of the three, the safest. So, um, that would be my ranking. And that's from a health related, uh, viewpoint of which is going to do the most harm, which certainly would be alcohol. Now I will take the caveat to say that alcohol in small numbers, or I shouldn't say in, in modest uh, intake can actually be protective for some people. We know that red blood, or, excuse me, red wine is very cardio protective if you drink a couple glasses. If you drink a bottle every night, then we're going to have problems with other chances for other cancers. And then cigarettes, really, we know that once you hit really a 30-pack-year kind of uh, a number, which means more than a pack a day for 30 years or a half a pack a day for 50 years, is is where we really start to get the chance of lung cancer. And cannabis right now appears to be probably the safest out of all of them yeah, from a health-related you, view. You
0: feel the same about uh, edibles and cannabis being used in foods and you know brownies and things like that
1: yeah i mean i I, I look at cannabis right now there's a lot of health benefits for cannabis decreases anxiety for some people can really help with chemo people who are on chemotherapy and and get nauseated the anti-nausea effect of cannabis has allowed people who are on chemotherapy to maintain their weight so certainly those are are great outcomes of whether it's smoked or whether it's uh
0: uh ingested very interesting uh far out question ted thank you very much yeah it was a good question it was ted. a I very like <laughs> really good question dr kevin most is the chief medical officer northwestern central dupage hospital always good to talk to you my friend thank you so much have a great week you
1: got it dean we'll talk soon